Hey, thanks for downloading the podcast. And remember, if you want to listen live, download the iHeartRadio app, download the TuneIn app, and just search for Fantasy Sports Radio Network, and you can listen to this program live. Also, if you want to watch the video of this podcast, check us out on YouTube, on Twitch, or on Periscope, and type in, you guessed it, Fantasy Sports Network. You'll find us there. Enjoy the show, and thanks for listening. You're listening to the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Fantasy Sports Today. Dan Strafford, Mike Blewett back here on Fantasy Sports Today. Don't forget, coming up at... The top of the hour, which is 11 a.m. Eastern time. It's the weekend sports update. Cam Stewart, George Kurtz along with you for that. Mike and I are with you every Saturday morning, 8 to 11 all year long. So you want to tune in for us. Don't forget, download the app as well. Take us with you. You want us? Uh, you want more Dan and Mike in your life? Download the app. Put it on your cell phone. Put it on your mobile uh, device. Yeah, what are we doing and, here? And what, is this? what is this, 20, 2009? Download the app. Take us with you, like he said. Plug it into the to the the car. You, you're ready to go. Uh, we want to talk some football here, but I think the transition spot to uh, be fully transparent is talking a little Kyler Murray. And we can talk about height. We can talk about five foot nine. We can talk about his actual prospects here in the NFL. Uh, but talking about playing time, uh, service time in Major League Baseball, minor league life. Uh, Kyler Murray had guarantees with baseball, guaranteed money, and was trying to work on more, and gave that all up. For the NFL here. Gave it all up for the shot to be an NFL quarterback. Yeah, he did. Um, money aside, you appreciate someone going after what they love and, and taking the maybe the harder path, but it's an intriguing story, and it's one that has played out once or twice. You have Bo Jackson, Deion Sanders, multi-sport athlete, Charlie Ward, going from college football uh, to play in the NBA. Obviously played college basketball as well, but playing the NBA for a while. Uh, but we don't see these kind of athletes often anymore. Uh, what do you make of it? What, what's your take on this story, and, and how do you see it unfolding for Murray uh, as his draft grade continues to, to change? Well, I've got a few takes. First, I, I guess I'll have to concede that I've been wrong about – the NFL market on him due to his height. And we see varying reports. Our own Keith Rosari actually met Kyler Murray and took a picture with him. And they said Kyler's taller than him. I've stood next to Keith. Keith's probably like right at my height, 5'10". And he said Kyler Murray's taller than him. So some of the exaggerated stuff about him being really short don't seem to be the case. I think it just appears to be that way when he's on the field against his offensive linemen, who are actually in some cases, you know, eight inches taller than him. But so let's just put him right at Let's call him 5'10". That's about Russell Wilson's height. Um, I don't think he's unreasonably short. It is surprising, though, because short quarterbacks haven't done all that well. Um, But I I can see it. I I think I'm, I'm wrong that the market wouldn't quite be there because he's too short. Now... So that's part one. Part two is there's a long way to go here. He's got to do interviews. He's got to test well at the combine. uh, And really the only key for him is getting drafted in a place where he can play. Right. If he's a first-round pick, you know he's going to play. If he slides into the second round, that means somebody's willing to take a shot on him, but he's not guaranteed anything. Um, I do think, though, that 
somebody will take a shot on him simply because teams are motivated to pick quarterbacks in the first round for this reason. When you pick somebody in the second round, it's guaranteed. It's not. It's rather. It's a four-year contract. You pick somebody in the first round of the NFL. It's a four-year contract with a fifth-year option. And if you play well during that that run-up to the fifth-year option, and sometimes even if you don't, hello Blake Bortles. Teams exercise that option, and it gives you a nice kicker. So if Kyler gets drafted, say mid-first round. He'll be guaranteed about fifteen million dollars with that first contract. But if he hit, right. if he plays well and gets that fifth year kicker, it usually goes up to. It'll be probably somewhere. If it happened this year, it would probably be somewhere in the nineteen million dollar range. That's a guess, but I'd have to look it up. So in totality, he would end up seeing probably somewhere in the neighborhood of $20 million for the first four years plus another 19 to 20. And after that five-year contract, he's ended up making $40 million. You're saying, blew it, why are you bringing all this up? Because it flies in the face of the people that have incorrectly been stating he'll make so much more money in baseball. We just spent an hour, Dan, saying how the free agency market in baseball sucks. Yes, sir. And if he's a starting quarterback in the NFL and gets that second contract, he'll make as much, if not more, money as an NFL quarterback in his lifetime. Now, that's a lot to project, because I'm projecting that he's going to be a successful NFL quarterback, and I don't know what team he's on, I don't know his coaches, I don't know any of that stuff. But I'm just setting up the hypothetical that people stating that he should be a baseball player because he'll make so much more money. Not if you're a first-round draft pick in the NFL as a quarterback. You can make a ton of money. Matt Ryan... I mean, Matt Ryan is an MVP, and he did get to a Super Bowl, and Matt Ryan's a really good quarterback. But take a look at his career earnings. It's absurd yep. how much money he's made. And I look at would, Chase Daniel. Nobody would, nobody would, yeah, nobody would pencil Matt Ryan in for the Hall of Fame right now, though. I'm just trying to pick a guy that's really good and may not be considered an all-time great. Matt Stafford, he's not even as good as Matt Ryan. He's making filthy amounts of money. He's probably will have made two over two hundred million dollars. So, for the people that say he had to pick baseball for the money, that isn't the case. Not if he plays well. Uh, I, I mean, uh, Chase Daniel's been somebody who's been talked about a lot. It's uh, he's been, he's made a lot of money for to be a backup quarterback in the NFL. True. Listen, and the intriguing thing, and this is complete speculation, and most likely would never happen. So I'm going to state that that I'm about to say something that is completely speculative, uh, but. Kyler Murray is 21 years old. He's turning 22 in August. He plays for five years in the NFL and decides, this isn't for me. I've made a boatload of money. He can go play baseball still. It's not the other way around. I totally agree. I totally agree. You you walk away from football, you're not getting back into football at 27, 28. Baseball, and again, Drew Henson, not the best example of it, but this is somebody who tried to do both and tried to figure it out and was a Yankees prospect, tried to go back to football, tried to go back to baseball. But the, the potential is at least there. And I, I, I'm going to make a statement that may uh, set some wrong here. But um, I do a lot of work uh, outside of sports uh, in education and learning. And one of the big things about uh, the our, our millennial generation and Gen Z below us, um, I'm a millennial, is that we work multiple jobs and careers are changing. Why does it have to be different for athletes? You know, if an athlete's good enough to, to do both, 
why can't they have multiple careers in sports and multiple careers in playing different sports if they are, again, if they're good enough to do both? And so I would not be shocked if a Kyler Murray or someone comes along someday who decides to cash in on their talent in the NFL, but then also walk away before CTE sets in or, or walk yeah. away before the catastrophic injury and go play a different sport. Um, so I'm really intrigued. I think, listen, the, the, the kid, and I can say that now that I um, and am old enough to uh, have been in college before he was born, um, that um, the kid's good. The kid's an athlete. The kid can get it done. Now, where he gets drafted is really intriguing to me, Mike, because uh, a month ago, before the speculation, before the change to the NFL, he was gritted out. You know, Ian Rappaport was reporting, Adam Schefter was reporting that he was a second or third round grade for a lot of scouts, that he, yeah. he wasn't a first round QB. Now he flips to say he is focusing on the NFL, and all of a sudden he's a late first-round grade. And you're seeing more scouts come around to him and more Well, that you know, did make a big say, difference, though. Right, and, and I get it. And then you have the speculation of Cliff Kingsbury. And so you had the story in October where Kingsbury, still at Texas Tech, said, he's my number one overall pick. If I'm in the NFL, he's, well, looky here. Cliff Kingsbury is in the NFL. And he's tried to shoot it down and say, Josh Rosen's our guy, but... Could Kyler Murray go from being a second to third round speculation pick to being the top overall pick in the NFL draft? Could, but I don't think it will happen. Certainly a possibility, open possibility for the reasons that you laid out. But I think they, I think they would stick with Rosen. the The complication there is that if Kling's, well, first of all, Kingsbury, Cliff Kingsbury, can't take that job if he's not happy with Josh Rosen. Right now, right. it's it's really unique to get offered a head coaching job, especially when you are a failed Big Twelve coach and are an offensive coordinator in college. Like everybody would take that job, but you would have pause if Josh Rosen, if you really thought Josh Rosen was the wrong guy for you, because you don't know. You're desperate to take the job, but if you're really thinking clearly. You can't take that job if you think he's the wrong guy for you because you're probably going to fail. If you're going to a organization and you the quarterback doesn't fit what you do, unless you have a promise from the GM that he's going to blow it up for you and get you a new quarterback, notably Kyle Murray, then you can't take that job because it's a better chance that you're going to fail uh, with a guy that doesn't fit you, and you're going to try to get him to run the wrong system, whatever it might be. So um, that's what I'll say. So I, I do think they just try to work it with Rosen. Would they trade him to the Giants and get the Giants number six pick or, or, or whatever? I, I don't know. Um, that's a possibility. So I'd say it's all open. Um, you brought up a lot of good stuff earlier, too. Um, I do think it has changed. I do think his second career is absolutely in the works. Historically, it's been you got to play baseball first, and if baseball doesn't work, you go back to it. We saw guys like um, Josh David Booty and Chris Wanky and others, uh, Brandon Whedon, that gave it a shot in baseball first, then went back to football. None of them were really particularly successful in baseball. You mentioned Drew Henson as well. They weren't particularly successful in, either in pro baseball or in pro football but um i think they probably at the end of the day are are happy that they tried to play both sports uh the only qualifier i would say the only hole in your argument for kyler doing that is if he's successful in the nfl right Right. he'll make untold riches 
Um, right. I think you bring up fair points about CTE and injuries and all that kind of stuff, but quarterbacks are set up now better than they've ever been set up. You have limited chances. You have more limited chances to get hurt than at any time in the history of the NFL. Uh, clearly, catastrophic injuries still happen, whether you're Jimmy Garoppolo or Alex Smith, who's an extreme example, or more. But uh, in general, we lose less games, player games, uh, at the quarterback position now than ever before. A lot of guys stay healthy for most of the season. That, and that makes a for ton of sense, all too. all of the and- season. Right. If 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 he is successful, it's hard to imagine him walking away from the cash that would be coming his way after that rookie contract runs out. But the yeah. possibility is out there. And I think uh, we need to understand it's a new game in, in football. Right. Like the, to your point, the, the quarterback and wide receivers are are very much the focal point of the NFL. You know, the Super Bowl will be damned. Um, the uh, the way the game's being played. I agree with you as well on the Cliff Kingsbury assessment that he needed to be okay with Rosen. I read a couple of interesting articles also saying that you're trying to trade Rosen off his his lowest value. Like you're trying you would have to yeah. trade him to a team that would have to one believe in him as their future, but two off of a, a terrible season. Yes, the offensive line was bad. There were no skilled players around him, blah, blah, blah. But he just didn't show the upside that you would typically see. The one intriguing thing I think about with height. You have to put these guys in a position to succeed. He was not in Correct. a position to succeed at all. Right, but you're you're still getting less value back on him than when you drafted him That's top overall last question. year. Correct. Um I do find it intriguing with the height question that, you know, we, we get speculation around height in, in all sports. Oh, is he really 6'9 or is he 6'7? I remember there was a, a a center at Rutgers when I went there named Rashad Kent. And Kent was listed at 6'7. Rashad Kent was 6'3. But he was also a gigantic man and strong as all get out and played power forward slash center for Rutgers. Uh, maybe he was 6'4, but he was listed at 6'7, 6'8. And he wasn't. And so you have that all the time in sports. I can get it's like it. Charles Barkley. Exactly. Oh, exactly right. Um, what's intriguing to me here is the idea of we don't have an actual metric set numbers to say that height is not as good because they haven't played as much, right? So, like, for so long, kids who were under six foot were told they can't be quarterbacks, so they weren't quarterbacks. They were running backs or wide receivers, defensive backs, whatever it may be. So I think as the NFL progresses, we get more spread offense, we get more air raid, we get more shotgun and more pistol formations. These five foot ten to, to six foot quarterbacks are going to get more and more chances when they're younger to succeed. And so I think we're going to see a slow uh advancement of shorter quarterbacks here that maybe started with the you know the Breeze and Russell Wilson's of the world. I know Breeze is tall enough, uh, but uh, Russell Wilson, maybe Kyler Murray, maybe we start to see guys who are a tiny bit shorter, who are 5'10", 5'11", succeeding because they're athletes, because they have big arms and they can get it done, and they're also now getting more chances to succeed because the offenses, offenses they're put in. Yeah. Uh, it's more about quick decision making, getting rid of the ball quickly than it is uh, hanging in the pocket for as long as you can and seeing over everything. So, yeah, there's so much based on timing now that as long as you have the arm to go with it, um, you're going to be all right. 
I still think it will continue to be some outliers, but I think you're right that the more opportunities would open up for quarterbacks that are shorter. Frankly, on the other side of things, players that quarterbacks that are over six five and a half or six six, uh, there isn't uh, there isn't any real. Uh, noted successes, whether it's Brock Osweiler or Dan McGuire or any of the other guys that played at a, that were very tall. Yep, Flacco is really the tallest guy to ever have any kind of success, and we just saw what happened to him over the last couple of years. He got benched and, and traded. So uh, I, I do think that your point is fair. There'll be a couple of uh, circumstances, but uh, the data would show you that most guys need to be you know six two plus. I think that uh, it'll be a fun thing to track. Uh, wish, obviously, Kyler Murray all the best, and whether or not he becomes the top pick in the NFL draft is still a, a giant question mark, but there are teams out there that do need quarterbacks. You also have uh, Haskins there from uh, Ohio State and Drew Locke and some other uh, prospects that will get a hard looks in the first round. You may mention of Joe Flacco. I want to touch on him on the next segment, along with uh, the top needs for each team as we look towards the draft and look towards some future bets as well, obviously, once you, the Super Bowl is over. You reminded me of something regarding um, – I, I listened to Bill Polian one time. He's now helping to run the AAF, but I listened to Bill Polian talk about metrics on certain players and guys that they yep. would or would not draft, and he said that uh, at offensive linemen, if their arms were not a certain length, they were off the board. So there are specific metrics on players at various positions that teams would cross off the board and not draft. Now we're seeing that expand a little bit for quarterback height, but uh, there's still some things out there that are bright line test where guys cannot get drafted if they don't meet a certain requirement. And it makes sense. We can touch on that more after this break. Uh, the NFL draft is far off, but the combine is nearby. Plenty to talk about around prospects and future drafts. In the National Football League, Dan Trapper, Mike Blewett with you to the top of the hour. It's Fantasy Sports Today on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. From the NFL to the NBA, DailyRoto.com is the place to win millions in daily fantasy. You can get the best DFS NFL coverage all season long for a price of $129.99 or dominate the entire daily fantasy sports realm with the Elite Package at $59.99 per month. If you use the promo code FNTSY, you get 10% off your Daily Roto Package. Go to DailyRoto.com, pick your NFL or Elite Package, enter promo code FNTSY, and you'll be on your way to becoming the next Daily Roto Millionaire. Dan Trevor, Mike Blue, back here on Fantasy Sports Today. Sean, it's last and on the ones and twos. Appreciate that, as always. Now, Mike, uh, I've, uh, I want to talk Joe Flacco. One, I know that John Elway got Peyton Manning right, but it's kind of hard to get Peyton Manning wrong, right? That's one of those situations where uh, one of the all-time great quarterbacks falls into your lap, you make it work. He just seems to be one of the worst executives at evaluating quarterback talent, and maybe because he was himself one of the better ones in NFL history. Uh, now they've traded for Joe Flacco. They they had pieces there that were underwhelming, fine, but you trade for a quarterback on the downside of his career with hip problems. Do you make any sense of what the Broncos are doing at the quarterback position? No. There's no sense of what they're doing in the quarterback position. Um I think they 
I think he's trying everything he can. There was an article written at the beginning of last season about the mess that's happened in Denver and how many mistakes that he's made, whether it's uh, drafting Paxton Lynch or uh, letting Osweiler go or bringing him back or bringing Sanchez in and that not working out, drafting guys later in rounds like Zach Dysert or Trevor Simeon and giving them chances, uh, Chad Kelly, another guy drafted. They've drafted more quarterbacks since 2012 than any other team in the league. Now, a bunch of them were late-round picks, but none of them have taken the mantle for more than a few games. So um, they find themselves in this position now where Keenum is gone and Flacco is in, and what are they going to do with it? Uh, I, I don't know. Uh, they seem to be wanting to build the team in this old school way where Vic Fangio is going to try to get that defense back to be a number one defense and win it the way they wanted a few years ago. But that's becoming increasingly less of an opportunity for teams to win the Super Bowl. You typically have to have a dynamic offense, as we saw in the final four teams this year. Uh, what was a... It's an interesting trade, and obviously uh, it would seem to uh, intimate uh, and confirm Lamar Jackson is under center to at least start the year for Baltimore. No, he struggled in that final playoff game, showed some life toward the end. Uh, offseason will be filled with throwing, I am sure, uh, trying to figure out uh, exactly how to get him at least serviceable in that department on the NFL uh, level will be tough for Baltimore, and that's another team that has sort of relied on defense and running while the rest of the NFL continues to evolve towards the air raid and uh, spread offenses that uh, you see more and more. Do want to get your take uh, as we talk through here to the top of the hour? Don't forget a weekend sports update with George and Cam coming your way then. Um, the Pittsburgh Steelers, near and dear to your heart, I know. Um, one, increasingly less so. <laughs> sure, that's uh, I, as a Jets fan, I, I understand that. Um, dysfunction can really breed contempt. It's re- really true. Um, the Le'Veon Bell news. I want to talk about Antonio Brown, but the Le'Veon Bell news is intriguing to me. Is this just spiteful, you know, Steeler stuff, no. or do you think this is the right way to do business for Pittsburgh? I, I don't know that this transition tag is actually going to happen. Uh, they can, uh, and then trade him. Uh, just to up the amount of compensation that they can get. But right. a more likely result, even according to this article uh, on CBS, is Jared Dubin. Uh, you can find him on Twitter, Dubin 5 So he's saying the more likely result is Steelers just eventually rescind the tag and allow Bell to sign elsewhere so they get a compensatory pick in 2020. Now, the transition tag is a way for them to just extract more value out of it. They can match any free agency deal on that he gets in the on the market if they transition tag him, uh, but they can really just let him walk too. I, I think they're just going to get this compensatory pick, but they're exploring all their options. We'll see. If he gets tagged with the trans- transition tag, nobody should sit at nobody listening should assume that that means he's going to stay with the Steelers and they'll match a deal right. and bring right, it right, back. Right, right. I don't think there's any intention of that happening. It's just a way for them to extract a little bit more value out of it, and, and we'll see what happens. But they told him that this is going to happen. He didn't play for them. They offered him a contract. He didn't play, so they're not going to give him everything he wants. 
they're going to make it a little bit difficult on the way out the door. They're, they're just trying to look for as much value as they can get. How and he crazy was helped would it be? by Kareem. He is helped by Kareem Hunt signing with the Browns. That helped yes. in a huge way. And we'll touch on that uh, in a little bit. Uh, but how crazy would it be if somehow or another, and I agree with you that it's, it, it is not happening, but uh, Le'Veon Bell plays for the Steelers in 2019, but Antonio Brown does not. Well, I think Le'Veon Bell wouldn't report. I think right. that would just happen again until they got to the point where the Steelers were like, all right, we screwed this up. We're just trying to get some value out of them, and then they'd just end up getting a mid-round pick. The Antonio Brown thing, I think there's still miles to go before we sleep. I, I just... The Steelers are in a really bad position if they trade him because they're going to take a massive cap hit even if they right. trade him. And a 22 I don't million, think they're right? willing. Yeah, I don't think they're willing to do that. I mean, crater they would crater their whole team. It really would. would if he's not there and they're and they have a twenty million dollar cap hit. That's massive. I think he's a. You can use any superlative or expletive you want on the guy. He's produced in a huge way. I think he's got a lot of emotional and personal issues that he continues to deal with. Follow his Instagram for five minutes like I did before I unfollowed him, and you'll see what I'm talking about. Uh, and I think the Steelers are going to try and bring him back into the fold. I understand. I, I try to be sympathetic. I'm trying to be sympathetic. I understand that if I were him, I wouldn't want Ben calling me out either. I really wouldn't like the numbers I put up and as hard as he practices and there's people out there saying he's the hardest working player they've ever seen in practice. I think John Gruden said that and other people have said that too. He works his tail off, but he's got an attitude. He just does. And when he has that attitude and Ben calls him out, by the way, incorrectly, he ran a bad route in Denver. Really? That's not the problem. That's not the thing you call the guy out for. You call him out for bailing on the team in the playoffs. Yeah, maybe he just got tired of it. I don't know. It's I'm not there. I think sometimes you make assumptions on what happened in the locker room because you hear a story one way or the other, and you take the story and you run with it. So I'm not there. I don't think Penn's a great teammate. I don't. I think he calls guys out all the time on his radio show, and the radio show loves it. And he's he's a you know he's an established quarterback. He's going to the Hall of Fame. He can say whatever he wants. Okay, but you got to deal with it with the players in the locker room. And Juju's not thrilled about it, and Antonio Brown's not thrilled about it. And you've called other guys out for years too. It's not fun. Emmanuel Sanders talked about it. Who wants to get called out like that by their quarterback? They're working their a off. Every week in games trying to win and you call them out on your radio show, that's not that's not the right way to go about it. It's a bad teammate. Yep. Uh, it'll be uh, Am I wrong? For, I'm not no. defending A B, but it's not the right way to go about it. Ben has not well, proven to be a good teammate for a long time. I we talked about the ownership v uh, player dilemma before when it comes to free agency signing and contracts. I think there is definitely a quarterback v rest of team vibe too in the NFL where a quarterback has a tendency to be able to say more and call people out more uh, much yeah. like a head coach to the rest of the team than a wide receiver and a wide receiver you talk about the you know the the the, the diva wide receiver well maybe there's a reason for it maybe it happens because you have Eli Manning. Well, Eli Manning doesn't call many people out. He's just bad at his game, at his uh, job. Um, you have these guys who take a lot of 
crap during the season and have to eventually let off some steam. And that comes in calling out the quarterback or calling out teammates or reacting poorly or sitting a game out. And again, I, I agree with you not to defend it, but it's understandable. Like you can at least put yourself in the mindset of one of these guys and see how and why they got to where they are. And I think as a culture, um, to get a little deeper, we don't do that enough. We don't take the time to put ourselves in someone else's shoes and go, oh, I get it. He's pissed off because of this, this, and this. I might have handled it differently, but I can understand what he's thinking and feeling. It's called empathy. As I knock over my cell phone in anger. Um, (laughs) It's called empathy. And I think in sports, we try to go all black and white on it. We try to, you know, it's us versus them. It's our team or not. Either you're bought in, you're you're a warrior. Stop. These are people. they're, They're people. I agree. And I, I think there's a lot of like, well, what is that guy? He gets paid, uh, and Antonio Brown's made 70, we did it the other day, $72 million off of the Steelers. Yep. And he's set to make another 40 more if he's if he hung around. So uh, there's always going to be people like, he should not be complaining because of X dollars. Like, all right, but you have to set the ecosystem. He's already in that ecosystem. He's already making right. the money. Does the quarterback need to blow him up every time he gets on the radio show when there's a bad play. The interception is, was Ben's fault. The play was blown up from the beginning in Denver. He fumbled the snap. He should have spiked it, and they could have – They it was third down. They could have gotten another play out of it. I believe I'm right on that. If he had just spiked it, they could have reset and run the same play again instead of him bumping into James Conner, fumbling the ball, then trying to throw it, and he throws it to the defensive lineman. It's not because A.B. ran a shallow route. You threw it right to the guy because yep. you didn't have a grip on the ball. That's what happened on the play in any event. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I just think there's an opportunity for if it, uh, Mr. Rooney is meeting with uh, Antonio Brown in Florida, as was rumored yesterday, after they said they wouldn't meet, then I think there's an opportunity for them to get back together. I think on a surface level, you would say, well, the guy quit on the team in what was effectively a playoff game. You can't bring him back. I agree with that, except there are extenuating circumstances, like the fact that if you trade him and get a mid-round pick back, you punted the entire 2019 season, most likely. You can't sign free agents. There's a gaping hole at wide receiver, even though Juju's awesome. Um, and I think they'll move on with A.B. in time. I just think doing it now would be extremely difficult for the team. Um, who knows? Maybe the whole thing will get blown up yesterday. Uh, anyway, honestly, if A.B.'s not on the team this year, they'll miss the playoffs, and I think Tomlin will get fired. Yep. And, I'm no, not, I would, I, and yeah. I, I've been a Steelers fan my whole life. They don't fire coaches. They, they ask Chuck Noll to retire. They bring Cower in. He retired, and now it's Tomlin. But if they miss again, and with all this drama going on, I think he, I think it'll be time. That's that would be my prediction. If AB's not on the team, they'll miss the playoffs, and he's going to get fired. And it's still a pretty good team. The reality with this team, the offense isn't the problem. The defense isn't good enough. Right. They made a ton of mistakes this year, and that's on the coach. It just is. I, I like Mike Tomlin, but I mean, at some point, what are we doing here? Since they lost the Super Bowl to the Packers, they've won three playoff games. They beat Matt Moore. They beat Alex Smith uh, in the sixth field goal game. 
And the other one was, it's escaping me now, but it isn't an all-time great at QB. And I'll, I'll, I'll remember it during the break. But they're not, they haven't had signature playoff wins this entire decade, and we're approaching the end of it. Uh, that is, uh, it's a good analysis. And I think it's something that we need to keep in mind that this team is on the back end of their stay atop the AFC. Um, of now obviously the, the, the Patriots are, are, one uh, a and one B there by themselves and everybody else. But, uh, Ben's getting older. Uh, wonder how much, how many more years he has. Tomlin probably on a, a shorter uh, leash here when it comes to his head coaching uh, stay there. And I think from a fantasy football perspective, to bring it back there, uh, it's intriguing to me. If AB comes back, I like Juju Smith-Schuster that much more next year. If Juju Smith-Schuster is your number one wide receiver, I'm not investing in him at all. I. I I just don't see, I see him as a very good wide receiver, but his ceiling is capped because he's all of a sudden facing number one defensive backs, number one game planning. And so the, the, you know, steps forward he's taken, I think take a big hit if Antonio Brown's not around and Le'Veon, but like those are two, I know Connor did a great job, but I think all of a sudden the the fantasy prospects of a a Juju take a big hit there uh, without Antonio Brown around. Mm, they threw the ball an excessive amount this year. They threw it 675 times. First time Roethlisberger, I think, has led the league in pass attempts. Um, and I don't think it will be up at that number. But if A.B. wasn't there and Juju was the lone guy, I would still feel really good about it. I just think he has a 100-catch season in him and double-digit touchdowns. So it doesn't mean he's the number one wide receiver off the board or even necessarily a first-rounder, depending on how all the running backs shake out. But... You know, he's up in that range, even though I don't consider him to be quite as talented as, uh, say, the top rung of A.B. and Julio and Odell and Hopkins. You want to throw A.J. Green in there. I'm not mad at you. So I, I put them behind that. He's probably with Mike Evans and and uh, a couple other guys that are on the come. But, yeah, he's a top 15 pick in fantasy football if A.B. is not there. He might be anyway. We can uh, touch on some of the top free agents in the NFL. One of the big stories uh, around the Jack Foles being linked to the Jaguars. They are a bit of a mess. Uh, do you see Foles landing in Jacksonville, or do you see a different quarterback situation where Foles can end up? I know mention of uh, the Giants. They seem to be ready to go back to Eli Manning for one reason or another. Uh, but uh, any anywhere you picture the Super Bowl MVP landing when all is said and done? Dolphins are a possibility. Uh, yes, I would say so. Um, I don't know that there's going to be a massive market for it because we've talked about this before. Teams want to keep the quarterbacks as cheap as they possibly can, and he's going to see close to market value from somebody willing to take a shot. If the Jaguars can fit him in, I think it kind of makes sense for them because you only have so much of a window with the the, the players on that defense, right? And I think taking advantage of it now, if you can swing it, makes sense. Uh, things fell apart really badly for them last year. There was a lot of strife in the locker room. You know, it's funny. Players players calling guys out. Jalen Ramsey called out, like, every quarterback in the league. He, he wasn't him. And he talks trash about everybody. And he didn't call out Blake every week. He said, honestly, at one point, everybody knows what's going on here. The intimation that... The defense is very frustrated with the offense, but he wasn't calling Blake out by name every week. I'm sure he did it in the locker room. 
Right. But just even Jalen Ramsey had some level of decorum when calling out his teammates. <laughs> just a tiny <laughs> you know what I mean? bit. I do. We have uh, one more segment to go here. We'll talk a little bit more about the NFL and get back to uh, some Vegas talk uh, as Mike has a bunch of uh, sheets in front of him. We'll talk about some future bets and more in our final segment leading up to the top of the hour. Dan Trevor, Mike Blewett, back after this. From the NFL to the NBA, DailyRoto.com is the place to win millions in daily fantasy. You can get the best DFS NFL coverage all season long for a price of $129.99 or dominate the entire daily fantasy sports realm with the Elite Package at $59.99 per month. If you use the promo code FNTSY, you get 10% off your DailyRoto Package. Go to DailyRoto.com, pick your NFL or Elite Package, enter promo code FNTSY, and you'll be on your way to becoming the next Daily Roto Millionaire. If I get drunk, tell I know I'm gonna be, I'm gonna be the man who gets drunk next to you. And if I heave up, yeah, I know I'm gonna be, I'm gonna be the man who's heavering to you. But I won't find money. Ah, such a good song to have on on the radio, 1 at 30 at the bar, and sing at the top of your lungs. <laughs> Come on, it's a good one. Um, there's a good cover by Imagine Dragons out there of this, too, at a Scottish festival if you're into YouTube covers, and I get sucked down that uh, rabbit hole from time to time. Uh, let's let's talk a little bit more NFL, but also want to get in. I know you had some more Vegas uh, odds in front of you, uh, and don't want to leave that hanging until next week. But uh, futures bets in the NFL, and then maybe we can transition to talk a little bit more about got um, NCAA hoops here. I got all kinds of stuff. So well, that's intriguing because uh, you do you have Tennessee, Kentucky today, right? And so Tennessee yeah. is number one in the polls, but has I think the last sixteen teams they've played probably won't make the NCAA tournament. I don't think they end up being the number one seed in uh, the tournament. Do you have odds on on the future winner of the NCAA yeah. tournament? Do you have that? That's exactly right, what, what I have. Yeah. Let's, let's go there first. Duke, uh, let's see, current line. Yeah, current line as of February 7th. So Duke is plus 170, which means they're basically 1.7 to 1. Right. So under 2 to 1. Uh, Kentucky's eight to one. Virginia Gonzaga, Michigan State seven to one. Tennessee hmm. eight to one. So that's your group of favorites. So Tennessee and Kentucky at eight to one. Uh, UVA Gonzaga, Sparty seven to one. And then Duke under two to one. I'm intrigued by Virginia of, at this point, but probably one of that group, right? Yeah, UVA. I a UVA never would have bet on them to win an NCAA tournament. But they did make changes this year that make it more viable. I just thought for years. Now, obviously, everybody was stunned by the fact that they got bounced in the first round last year. But uh, playing Tony Bennett's style of just trying to restrict the other team to under 50 points is great in the regular season. And and it won them a lot of games. But in the NCAA tournament, when you're playing trying to win six games, you play all those games tight. You're going to lose one. Now, the irony that they got blown out, there was an irony that they got blown out last year because the other team got hot, but they didn't have enough scores. They have enough scoring now this year that they can actually do it. It'll be a fun one to watch. The NCAA tournament always. Uh, so what's what's it for? Is the NCAA tournament first weekend your favorite sporting event? Like if we if we take the whole weekend? Um, 
It's a great weekend. I'm actually going to be away that weekend because I'm going to Charleston with friends to watch the games together. It's something I haven't been able to do in a while because I've traveled to so many NCAA tournaments over the last seven years, and I've been to Final Fours, and all that stuff was really a lot of fun and great. But my friends have planned this trip every year, and I haven't made it uh, literally this decade. They've gone every year, and I haven't been able to make it. So I'll be taking that in. I really do love it. It's a lot of fun. Um, I thought the Final Four was a lot of fun when I got to go. Uh, but I really do love the NFL playoffs. Like, I just get so amped for it. Um, so to pick one weekend, would I pick the divisional playoffs versus the NCAA tournament? That's a tough one. They're both so much fun t- for me. I think I go, uh, especially in, uh, hopefully uh, the boss at the day job isn't listening, but uh, the Thursday, Friday of the NCAA tournament, when you have wall-to-wall games, especially now with the streams, like being able to watch multiple uh, inputs at the same time while quote unquote working uh, has become one of one of my favorite events each and every year, uh, especially working from home. It, it becomes advantageous. At that, I point. haven't worked. I haven't worked on that Friday. Oh, sure. No. Uh, I'd say maybe one time, maybe twice in the last 15 years. Have I worked on that Friday? I just I take it off and I tell whomever I whatever radio show I have to do or whatever other job I've had to do. I've just told them, like, look, I'm not going to work, so I, I, I'm i just going to take the day off. Like, I'll just be watching television here, so I'm just going to take the day off. And they're like, all right, cool. Appreciate you being honest. You know? right. When you're honest with people like that, they just let you take the day. Well, there, there's a reason the phrase is honesty is the best policy. Once, once you tell the truth, you don't have to worry about what you said. Uh, just get yeah. out, get out in front of it. Um, what, what, what else do you have in front of you? Because I know you made mention of a bunch of sheets that you grab from different books. Uh, yeah, we do talk wagering. Yeah, well, let's here, do so the NFL. Here. Yeah, let's do the NFL odds. We can do that. Um, we did the MLB ones earlier. The uh, college basketball stuff. I think that's your cluster of teams that's likely going to win. If you wanted to throw Michigan in there at 10 to 1, you could do that. Kansas is at 31, 30 to 1 right now. Crazy. But um, they've had injuries now, too, as well, that are piling up. But NFL Championship, uh, South Point Sportsbook. It's, at Miami. it's in Miami next year. Forgot about that. Um, all right. Who do you think is the odds-on favorite? It's actually a tie. Um, Three, three-way tie. Oh, three-way tie. tie. No, three-way tie. Three-way tie. All right. I was going to say that it's the Chiefs. Mm -hmm. It's the... Are the Pats there? The Pats are there, aren't they? That hurts. And the Saints? No, the Rams still. Uh, Oh, wow. This is... This is uh, South Point. Uh, let's see if the other books, the rent. So those are all seven to one. At Cosmopolitan, it's the Chiefs and Pats, both at seven to one. They have the Rams at nine to one. The Saints come in at nine to one and ten to one. So you can get ten to one at South Point and get a little bit more of an edge. You know, if you put, here's the reality if you put, say, a hundred bucks down on this year's final four and then threw in, the Colts, you're going to win money if it's yep. one of those five teams. Now, do you want to lay down $500 or even 600 if you want to throw in the Bears? The Bears are at 12 to 1. You want to throw down 600 bucks to wait for a year to collect your money? Maybe not. But if, you have, if you're a leverage player and you threw 1000 bucks down on those teams, uh, then 
you know, or 5,000 bucks on all those teams, you're guaranteed some sort of a return, right? You, it's an annuity. You're going to make money back uh, because it's, you're going to get paid anywhere from 7 to 1 to clear cash or uh, 12 to 1 to, to clear even more cash. So uh, if you have that kind of money, you can throw it around like that. I was talking to somebody out there at the South Point Sportsbook that told me that a lot of guys for future odds like that won't take them unless they're 25 to 1 or more. And uh, if you want me to tell you, because they said that you can just, um, you can conceivably collect on one of those teams, but as the playoffs happen, you can just kind of parlay your way into. Right, hedge and what, yeah, yeah. Yeah, exactly. So. I'd have to walk through that math, and I, you know, I'll probably do it with like Joe Rainieri or, or Gabe Morenci. Those guys are really good at at gambling math. I'm not as sharp at it, uh, but I'm I'm working on it. Uh, but I'll pick the twenty five to one teams. Um, Atlanta Falcons, team that I picked to go to the Super Bowl in twenty eighteen, did not happen. They didn't make the playoffs. <laughs> they did not. Uh, Cleveland Browns, twenty five to one. I have, a, I have a one-to-one bet with someone, a friendly bet with someone that they'll at least make the playoffs. So I, I may have to take up the, the Browns at 25-to-1 just for, for the fun of it. It's looking pretty good. Looking pretty good right now. Uh, so those are the two 25-to-1 teams. You have, you know, the Titans are a team that I've been touting for the last few years. I feel like after last season, I'm sort of, I'm going to cool on them. But 60-to-1 is pretty good odds. Uh, you got the the Saints at ten to one. I mentioned Eagles twenty to one, Steelers fifteen to one. If you can short that one, do it. Uh, <laughs> um, let's see some other good ones. Vikings at eighteen to one, Chargers at fifteen to one. The Colts at ten to one. I think are going to start to be a popular bet, and those odds will come. Yeah, whatever. The problem is that, and I talked about this with Gabe and Cam when I was in Vegas. The problem is that. The Colts division has gotten much more competitive. The Titans had a bad season this year, and they were 9-7. and seven. And uh, I think a lot of people believe in their coach, Mike Vrabel, as I do. It's just that can Mariota stay healthy? Can they fix the offense? Matt LaFleur, their offensive coordinator, is now the head coach in Green Bay. Um, but the Titans had a bad year. They went 9-7, and seven, and the Texans won the division. I think the Texans do have some problems, and I don't think they're an actual Super Bowl contender. In fact, I picked them to lose to the Colts last year in the playoffs because I thought the Colts were a better team. But the Texans are competitive, and the Jaguars were a total mess this year. But would it shock you if the Jags turned it around and had a winning season this year? Would that really stun you? If Foles ends up as a QB, you think they'll have a winning season? I think they will have a winning season if they figure out that offense. I do. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's reasonable. Yep. So that's so then that puts the Colts in a position where even if you think they're the cream of the crop in that division, the best they're going to get to is probably 11 and 5. Maybe if you really think they're going to be really good, they'll be 12 and 4 battling out in that division, they win the division. That won't get them home field advantage. And they're not going to go back into the cold in Kansas City or New England and win. Right. They're just not going to. They haven't done it. That makes a ton of sense. Yep. He hasn't done it. So that that's my argument against the Colts, even though I think they'll be really good. I'll probably – I don't know what their over is going to be. Those haven't come out yet because there's obviously too much 
to be determined with trades and free agency and everything else. So they don't post those overs. And typically until you really don't start to see them until June, July, really, before, you know, you know who's signed and these the the books can evaluate the rosters and, and decide whom they think is going to be good, bad, or indifferent. Um, and then we'll, we'll talk about those a ton during the summer, but they're just not out yet. So you get long-term odds as to who's going to win the championship, and that's really your, your group. This year's Final Four, Bears and Colts. I, I, I at this point I don't see who outside of that group can do it. You like the Seahawks at thirty to one? I can't believe in their brand of football right now. Uh, the fact yeah. that they didn't let Russell Wilson throw the ball in that game just speaks volumes <laughs> to what that team's going to be in twenty nineteen. Chargers at fifteen to one. I think you could probably throw them in the mix. That's but reasonable. They didn't prove themselves this postseason. Um. Atlanta at 25 to 1 is kind of interesting to me. They have a big free agent in Grady Jarrett that's on the market, but I think they'll probably sign him. I think that team is way better roster wise than what it appeared to be this year. They, they suffered yep. significant injuries. And if you told me that Atlanta challenges the Saints next year for the divisional title, I'd buy it. I would. I, I know that's me touting Matt Ryan. Obviously, people are going to make that connection because I'm the BC guy, and then I picked them to win the Super Bowl this past year. But I think there's something there. I could see myself. I, I saying that they're going to win the Super Bowl is a lot, but uh, I, I could see myself picking the Atlanta over the next season. Yeah, and you should get well again. Vegas sharper, sharper than me for sure. But you should get a a decent number there coming off the year, and, and maybe some changes. Uh, they at, they put so many teams at eight though, Dan. That yeah, you yes, gotta, they did. They just there's so many teams at eight. I can tell you that for sure. In my over under competition, the Titans, the Raiders, and the Lions were all at eight. Yep. So I picked the Titans over, and I picked the other two under. Um. So to start. there's so yeah, there's so many teams in the seven and a half to eight and a half range that yep. you gotta they're either having a winning season or a losing season. That was the Seahawks last year. I, I swore they were That's gonna right. be five hundred at best. And so I was hammering that to begin this season with George and then as the season went on, I was like, damn it, they're gonna damn it. Like <laughs> they're they're gonna yeah. pass this. Um yeah. somehow or another with that offense. But uh have you ever uh, traveled uh to, to London? Have you ever been to a, a racetrack in, in uh the UK? I haven't been to a racetrack there, but I've been to London okay. a couple times. So, so I got to visit a while back. Quick story. And reason I bring this up is odds and how odds shift in the U.S. market. Uh, if you're betting at a racetrack in London, you walk up to a set of bookies. You're not betting with the track. You're setting with individual bookmakers. And they all stand there with chalkboards and are actually yelling out their odds as they're changing them. So you might walk up to one bookie who has a horse of 15 to one and you go to wager and the guy across the way may say 17 to one now. And you can literally walk over and take that wager instead. And so it's a constant moving uh, talking about and sort of reinforcing what we're talking about before uh, of market efficiencies, finding the, the, the place where you get the odds you want. And there at the racetrack in London, you have it live in person. It's all moving, and they're all playing off of each other, and they're all trying to move their odds to get the most action. Sorry, guys are in. walking back and forth to windows yep. constantly. Yep, just just constant flow of cash going around there. And so it's, it's an amazing thing to watch because they're just all shouting over each other and trying to get customers, basically. And they're all yeah. within a 15-foot 
span. Like it's all right next to each other. Um, the one track I went to was open air too. So they were just out in little stands themselves with a till and with, uh, the odd sheet in front of them, uh, shouting at you. Um, whereas here again, like as you watch in the season for, for futures, for odds, just be mindful of that they do change and that you want to get in when the odds are, or what you want them to be. You don't wait longer. You don't try to, you know, necessarily shop around for too long. You strike while the iron's hot, while the, the numbers are where you are. So when you see speculation, this is exactly right, Sean, uh, you better shop around. Uh, I, I think the uh, big thing here is if you see a number you like, take the speculation now do the 10, the hundred, the thousand, whatever is in your bankroll and enjoy the the speculation. And as you then to, to Mike's point, you get closer, you hedge some, you hedge some bets and you try to make sure that you're covering off on, on different outcomes as it were. And you listen to guys like, uh, Ranieri and, and Gabe and the like here on the network. And by the way, at, at South point, the, the Colts opened at 15 to one on January 21st. There you go. And now they're down to 10 to one. So people obviously like those odds. I would say that if you currently don't like the Colts odds at 10 to one, then wait, Right. Maybe they lose a couple of games early in the season. Maybe somebody gets hurt in July and pushes their odds up so you can get an advantageous money line. I, you know, for me, I, I got the Pats at plus 500 at the start of the playoffs and then plus 400 after they beat the Chargers. So I put a little bit of money on each of those and I ended up winning. Uh, you know, I profited a few hundred dollars off of something like that. It was uh, strategic. I thought that they were going to win when the playoffs were set up as they were. I probably could have gotten the Pats at plus six or plus seven hundred after they lost to the Steelers. So, you know, those things are ebbs and flows. It doesn't always have to be the Patriots. But it just happens to be for the last decade and <laughs> exactly. a half. Uh, well, the show has flown by three hours in the books. We head to the top of the hour, and it's the weekend sports update with Cam and George. You want to stay tuned for that. As I said earlier, download the app. Take us with you. Uh, Mike and I are with in the morning from 8 to 11. You hear me 7.30 to 8 each and every night with the uh, news desk, and you hear Mike throughout the week on network as well. Thanks so much for listening. Thanks to Sean Engel behind the glass, and be sure to stay tuned for the weekend sports update coming up next. For Mike Blewett, Dan Strafford, saying so long. Enjoy your Saturday. Enjoy the college basketball. Enjoy the NBA skills competition and more this weekend, and we'll see you next time right here on the Fantasy Sports, on Fantasy sports Today.